Colleen is at the back if any of our children would like to go back and get their Bible boxes. We will be reading from Isaiah 58 in a moment, so if you would like to take your Bibles and open them to that passage. Today marks the first Sunday in Lent 2015, and it comes around pretty quickly every year. Just as we settle into a routine following Christmas, we see the purple here, here, return to our sanctuary. It's the same purple that we saw in Advent. It's the color of royalty, reminding us that God is king. But in this season, kingship looks a little different. Lent isn't one of those fun, excitement-filled seasons. We have left Christmas behind, and it's not yet Easter. In the season of Lent, the king calls us to confession, to repentance, to walk the way of crucifixion. This is a season of dying to ourselves, of taking up our cross and following Jesus. And if you're anything like me, you probably don't really enjoy those practices. They're hard. No one likes being called to die. Yet every year, Lent comes around again, calling us to practices we do not enjoy, but we do need. Calling us to surrender ourselves and to follow Christ to the cross, so that in dying with him, we might also be raised with him to new life come Easter. So read with me from this text from Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion, and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. 
If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your light will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your word to hear your instructions to your people. Open our hearts that we may faithfully be your people in this season. Amen. I read passages like this one, and they aren't really fun to read. They're actually even less fun to preach. It's much easier to read through them quickly, to relegate the Lord's chastising to the people of Israel centuries ago, proclaim ourselves fine, and then close our Bibles and go on with the rest of our lives. But God has not removed these passages from his word. So in the season of Lent, we dwell in these texts and we examine our lives as we follow Christ. This passage comes in the middle of four chapters of God chastising Israel for turning away from him. This is not the first time God has done so, and it will not be the last. This up and down roller coaster of faithfulness and unfaithfulness is a story of Israel's history. Sometimes they follow God well, and others they follow themselves, leading themselves into worship of other gods, unwise practices, and destructive situations. Israel should know better. God has called them out of slavery in Egypt. He has reminded them again and again to protect others and to obey only the Lord who delivered them. He has set up laws to protect his people from the destruction of other gods and from their own ways. And he has given them the teaching of the Torah to form them in the practices and the character of the very God they serve, caring for the widows, orphans, and the poor. But being formed in the character of God is difficult when we have a fallen nature and our intuitive ways are contrary to God's ways. In Isaiah 58, Israel thinks they are seeking God. They think they are fasting and desiring God to come near. Then they wonder why God is not answering them. But God sees Israel differently. God sees that they only seem to be living faithfully, because he recognizes the presence of injustice and wrong actions. God reveals the situation to Israel as it really is, that it's a stained glass covering over a messy and very broken interior. And God reveals and proclaims the truth of Israel's life and tells them what their lives really look like. This is the pattern of Lent, truth-telling, confession, and transformation. And this is why we need Lent every year. We are good at telling ourselves a false story. We're fallen creatures, after all, quick to blame others for our sins, easily seeking our own happiness and pleasure at the expense of others, 
believing that the world revolves around us and our desires. And our culture doesn't help us here either. For the 46 weeks between this Easter Sunday and next year's Ash Wednesday, we will steadily be told that we should do what feels good, what we want, what's authentic to us, and will get us ahead in the world. It's hard to resist the lure of pride and idolatry that tells us to put ourselves first and listen to what we want and follow our own hearts. So in our fallenness, we lean on our own understanding and create idols of ourselves, our desires, success, money, technology, our children, our jobs, our looks. The list goes on and on. Did we really think that we were somehow immune to the pitfalls of Israel? So where does God say that Israel has gone wrong? On the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk. It would be easy for us to say that this is not us. But since Lent has us sitting with these texts, we have to examine our lives more closely. And when I do, I have to admit that we as a people are characterized by these same practices. How many times have I opened a news article and seen angry name-calling, blame-assigning, vilifying comments in the responses? How many times have I opened social media to see that someone has proclaimed they will not permit any comments which disagree with their own position? How many times have people said that they will cease to follow any people who post topics that they believe to be incorrect, have the wrong position, or have simply quietly enacted that without actually saying anything? I do think we are probably a people who quarrel with one another, who point our fingers at one another in malicious talk. We sound a lot like Israel. And what about God's rebuke that Israel is exploiting their workers in the midst of their fasting? This morning is Freedom Sunday, as we saw. I don't think we have to look far to realize that our own practice mirrors Israel's far too much for us to be comfortable. We benefit from the lower prices created by people being kidnapped and exploited and held captive as slaves to work in the mines, in factories, in the agricultural industry. Are our lower prices worth turning our fellow humans into machines, into tools for our own consumption? And when actual slavery is not in play, we're still exploiting people for personal and for corporate gain. We take advantage of the people working in the fields right here in Santa Barbara County, picking the fruits and the vegetables that we serve on our own tables. Excusing the low and unfair wages paid to them because it will be less expensive in the stores. And we export our technology, our manufacturing, to other countries because it will be less expensive. But it's less expensive because we can pay lower wages to people there. We can require them to work in poorer conditions the safety requirements will be lower. The age requirements will be lower. 
At best, we're complicit in this system, which considers humans to be expendable for our own pleasure and financial security. At worst, our practices actually encourage this for the sake of our own desires, pride, and greed. Yes, like Israel needs to hear from God, so do we. We need these 40 days. And so again this year, we are drawn with or without our consent into the season of Lent. We are called to be present in a time of openness, to listening to God examine our lives and proclaim the truth of who we are. And in voicing and listening to this voice of truth, we are brought to the throne of God for confession and repentance. We are called to walk in the lives of Israel and Jesus for 40 days because we also need to be transformed and because that process is not easy. It takes time to be redeemed from the sinful and broken patterns that we fallen people experience daily in order that we might be ready to follow Jesus to the cross on Good Friday and experience the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. Lent is traditionally a time of fasting. And around this time every year, small groups of people have conversations about what they will be giving up for Lent. Chocolate, coffee, social media, the internet, I hear those a lot. And these fasts are not bad, but after reading God's proclamation to Israel today and his declaration of a true fast in Isaiah 58, I wondered if maybe we choose those things because they allow us to escape from the radical requirements of God's call to true fasting and justice. Those requirements are much harder to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, share food with the hungry, provide the wanderer with shelter, and clothe the naked. They take perseverance, practice, community, discipline. True fasting is easier said than done. Fortunately, God has provided us with some examples. And since it is Freedom Sunday, we're going to be looking at the examples of people in the abolition movement. Methodist founder John Wesley argued against the British slave trade. He trained the early Methodists that God desires his children to look on all people as people, and that one person may never own another or abuse them and still be faithfully following God. He wrote Thoughts Upon Slavery arguing against the common defenses of slavery that were present in Britain at the time. And he argued for the abolition of the slave trade among the common British people. Wesley also worked alongside William Wilberforce to abolish the British slave trade. He encouraged Wilberforce to continue to do his work through Parliament while Wesley worked among the people. And Wilberforce did just that, spending his life working year after year after year to present his bill in hopes that England would be faithful to who God calls us to be, to abolish the practice. And Wilberforce worked against strong, wealthy companies like the West India Lobby, who had made their fortunes as beneficiaries of the British slave trade, 
and they weren't really willing to give up their source of wealth. It took over 250 years from the start of the British slave trade until it would be finally abolished and outlawed in England. And it took another 55 years after that for slavery to be outlawed in the United States. These were men, and there are many less famous women, who worked for justice and loosed the chains of oppression. They fought for years against what many considered to be an acceptable practice. But 200 years later, we look back and we admire the stories of their faithfulness against injustice. This Lent, Isaiah is calling us to join their ranks and have our Lenten fast be a true fast. And so, where do we start? Our Lenten fast must start with understanding and compassion. It must see the person in front of us as a person instead of as a tool, an issue, a label, an argument, or a political stance. We can have endless discussions about these issues, but nowhere in Isaiah is that considered part of a true fast. And I won't tell you where you should land in the conversations. I'm not going to say those conversations are easy. I do know that God never calls his people to use others as objects for personal gain. And Isaiah tells us that God calls us to be people of truth, justice, and right action. And that can only happen when we see people as people, as children loved by God. So some suggestions to start your true fast this Lent. Look into the conviction rates of Caucasians versus various minorities to understand how various people in the criminal justice system are treated. Research the living conditions of the working poor, the available jobs for them, salaries, living conditions. Read the stories of children who have grown up in the U.S. foster care system. Research current U.S. immigration laws and policies. Read the experiences of families in border areas whose families have been killed by the cartels who run the drug and human smuggling operations. Read the BBC Asia, Latin and South America, or Africa pages to have a non-United States perspective on the life and situations in those regions. Read the stories on the Set Free and Inter International Justice Mission websites about modern slavery. You don't have to do them all, and you might choose to do something different entirely. May I suggest that you begin with the other side of the issue where you are most convinced that you're right? Or begin with the issue where you're least convinced that there's actually a problem? I would challenge you to intentionally look into the other side of the issue. And as you do, look for the face of Jesus in those stories. Watch for the face of God's children gazing back at you. I think Isaiah would suggest that we would be better to consider this difficult journey into justice. And this may be our path into keeping a true fast this Lenten season. <laughs>